Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast, brought to you from the studios of CBS Interactive. I'm Tim Burrows. This week, Jetstar and Nova team up for some mid-air comedy. Combank's old marketing boss opens fire. In television, MasterChef reveals its sponsors. We take a look at this week's ratings. And is SBS on the way out? Digital radio takes over the internet, if you don't count most of the internet. Those banned Carlton draft ads again. And still on beer, Heineken's soccer gotcha. Joining me as usual, House Party PR's Scott Rohde. Hi, Tim. And Mumbrella's Camille Alicon. Hello. Welcome along. So, busy week for Jetstar. Seems that that's all we've been talking about on Mumbrella. Um, Jetstar announced a big shift towards social media and also teamed up with Nova for a high-fly comedy gig. Now, first, social media. Camille, let's just nail down what it is that Jetstar have announced. Yeah, Jetstar, the budget carrier, it seems to be it's the first major brand that's announced that it's shifting about 40% up to 40% of its marketing budget towards social media, which is a big move, a big proclamation. It is, yes. And we we have to be slightly careful because in different parts of the press release, they describe it as a 40% shift to social media and a 40% shift to social media and online. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's sort of talk of the the, the PR components as well. But certainly there's a shift, which, which I guess... Scott, is bad news for TV and newspapers. Well, if the money's not going there and it's going elsewhere, then yes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> one plus one equals two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but um, sensible move? I think, so. I think so. I think so. Most people book their flights online these days, so, you know, might as well go where the audience is. Would this work for most brands, though, do you think? Uh, it, it depends on the brand entirely. Um, I mean, one thing, it's, it's funny because uh, Jetstar is obviously... Most people will go to will use Jetstar if it's the cheapest flight. That's you know it's a service offering. It's what they they do. So what they're obviously intend to do is spend a lot online um, through ads, etc. But also um, I think build a community and try and get people to you know become more involved with the actual um, organization than before, rather than make it just a service offering. You know, the cheapest flight. Give them something. Maybe give them something to in return. And so I, I guess I'd I'd make the argument as well that you know Jetstar is arguably uniquely placed to do this in that a lot of what it does is as you say price based it's about quickly getting out the word out about you know we're doing one dollar seats yeah. um which of course if you're a consumer you're probably happy to opt into that sort of information absolutely you have to follow them on twitter or whatever or join the facebook group so that you hear about the offers when they come along so when a lot of the messaging is about that you know Arguably, Camille, you 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 know you might as well tell people on Twitter as take out a newspaper advert. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've been active. They've been they were saying that they've been active in the past eighteen months on Twitter and YouTube, and seeing how that's been tracking. And apparently, it has been going well for them. So they've got some results to back up their the change in strategy, basically. And the other thing Jetstar have been up to is a nice little alliance with Nova as well. Yeah, basically, Nova Jetstar has had Nova channels on their aircrafts uh, since last year, three channels, and. Um, this is just a bit of an extension of that partnership. So Nova's a, a returning sponsor of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. So they've decided to uh, use their alliance with, with Jetstar and hold a uh, world's highest comedy. Nothing to do with smoking pot. Basically trying to get into the record books for having a stand-up, doing a stand-up comedy show while on air on a commercial flight. I tell you what, the only thing is, having recently enjoyed some comedy at the Fringe Bar in Sydney, and I use the uh, word enjoyed in the ironic sense, <laughs> that some Australian comedians, the, the, being tra- the idea of being trapped on a plane and having to listen to them rather than being able to leave halfway through, 
Um, I think I'd demand a... to put a bomb in the plane? Well, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I certainly would demand a parachute. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could, if I was stuck on, on board a plane and the whole lot of them got up and started, I'd just be like, do you know what? Well, there needs to be an opt-out, doesn't there? There are some comedians that, um, you know, I'd rather fall out the plane and land in Canberra than, yeah. than here. But um, but no, good good idea. First first time, I think I've come across So they claim... Them. But uh, I suppose it's the first time in terms of a submission to get into the Guinness Book of Records. Now, at the time of recording this, the event hasn't taken place. Let's get your PR prediction, Scott. Is this going to get widespread media coverage well, at the I time? Probably fill a plane full of journalists, so probably they will. Just Melbourne, really. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be so harsh. MX will cover it. Okay, okay. <laughs> that is indeed harsh. Okay, Um. well... Everyone loves a good spat, and not a week goes by without one. Especially me, yes. Yes, I love how spat people. Anyway, here's a one between ex-Combank marketing boss Graham Ford and his old employer, Combank. Um, Now, this is a sort of funny one in that uh, it it was an attack on Combank's sort of marketing position, which is now two years old, so we don't quite know why it came along now, but... uh, let, let's get a sense of what it was he had to say. It did seem a bit random. Basically, the um, the ad agency that works on Combank is Goodby Silverstein. A U.S. ad agency. Based out of the U.S. And we, some of us may recall, uh, this was a couple of years ago, we may recall that there was a lot of criticism against the appointment of a U.S. agency as opposed to an Australian ad shop. You know, if there's enough talent here, why, why would you go to the U.S.? And so they've been launching ads basically around fake um, American agency bods trying to convince Combank on how they can engage with their consumers in a very American way that doesn't really that doesn't really connect with Australian consumers. Okay, well let's briefly just hear a bit of that ad. We are the bold. The brave. The daring. We are the determined. We built a bank under the Southern Cross. Determined to rise. To thrive. Determined to be different. Okay, so that was um, Goodby Silverstein's first effort, um, which which kind of um, broke fairly controversially, didn't it, two years back? This, uh, you know, th- this kind of um, uber Australian uh, positioning for the for the bank by the fictional ad agency that everyone. Everyone kind of was very sceptical. Is this actually funny? Um, and that included me. I wasn't a fan of the ads at all. Mm. But I think I've got to admit, two years on, they've they've weathered the um, the, the last two years pretty well, partly because of the marketing uh, positioning. No. I would argue. Do you think so? No, I don't I think so. I think the four banks over here have survived solely because there's not much else choice, and because they just keep. I mean, it just bounce, people just move between the four of them, so they're always bringing in money. I, I used to be a journalist in mortgage magazines, and I used to look at the stats for the banks then, and every year they just grow their profits, every year. And every year they add extra charges. But would you argue then that you don't need to bother to do good marketing if you're one of the big banks? Well, they still need to be out there, so people then think, well, I better move my bank account from there to there. But for those kind of ads, no. That doesn't make me want to change my bank. I just want to leave that bank, which I'm doing. In terms of what Graham Ford said about the the marketing, 
Uh, he well, he described the position as flawed thinking, didn't he? Flawed thinking. Basically, he's called it shallow and lazy. Ooh, harsh. Very harsh. Uh, so that, that those are the Goodby Silverstein ads. Yeah, and his, his kind of argument was that the Australian public have a slightly different view of Combank to the other big four. You know, they feel slightly warmer about it. So mm. the whole thing was based on a misunderstanding. Now, I, I just wonder whether that's partly based on the view he formed from, you know, almost a decade ago when he was at the bank. And actually, that maybe the public's view has has changed. Evolved, yeah, perhaps. You know, not necessarily positively. That it now is just one of the big banks, so they do have to do something to to kind of um, defuse it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, whose whose side are you on on this one, Camille? I'm not. I've been a long term uh, Combank uh, user, a customer since the days when I was in uh, primary school with my Dolomite savings accounts. Those those are really catchy ads, actually. I kind of stay with them because it's you know it's one of the big banks and I've just had it for ages and so it's really in spite of the the ads at the moment that do nothing for me really. Scott, uh, well I'm about to just I'm about to just change from Combank so. Um, but that presumably is because of a consumer experience a rather consumer than experience, marketing. Very much position. so. Um, but so the marketing does nothing for me because I'm like well I know that I don't appreciate the services and I'm leaving. Well, I don't really want to hear your hard luck stories here, so we're going to. Move Although on. I will say that actually I'll rephrase that I I had a bad experience. I wrote about it on Twitter, and somebody from the Combank, who I won't mention, but um, who's very you know, big on Twitter, we'll say, um, actually contacted me, helped me out, got in touch with other people, phoned me up at like 8 o'clock at night as well to say, you all right, did you get everything sorted? So to, to that person, who you know who you are, excellent job. But what you're going to leave anyway. But was that yeah. because you're a, a celebrity on Twitter? I'm not a celebrity why? on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> We're really going to move on now. On we move to television. Now, uh, MasterChef continues to outstrip... Um, my kitchen rules, even though the new season has yet to begin, or arguably so. I was this week. I was at their secret kitchen location. Not very much of a secret, I have to admit, for the uh, kind of near Sydney Airport, underneath the flight path, um, for the, uh, for the, the very glamorous launch. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite on the runway. No, they hadn't set up a little marquee. Now um, they revealed um, the five sponsors. Um, Camille, why not to take up the story? So we had three returning sponsors, or MasterChef, as opposed to myself. Uh, Coles, Campbell's, and Fonterra. And then a couple of new ones, Handy Ultra and Sunbeam, mm. basically. Yeah, so uh, uh, the, the, the way it kind of looks is that um, My Kitchen Rules, they, they did okay. They, they did about just over 1.5 million. Yeah, the finale um, pulled in 1.5 million. Which was sevens. I guess, sort of, you know, early spoiler of MasterChef. Yeah, it was quite a... Well, it was a good... It was a decent ratings result for them, I suppose. In context to how MasterChef did, not Mm, so much. They did nearly three million with their finale last year. Yeah, the finale was over three million, actually. And And the first episode attracted 1.4 million as opposed to My Kitchen Rules 1.1. And My Kitchen Rules... I guess probably would have hoped for slightly more on that night. Do you know what? Well. The, the only the strength I would say with my, my kitchen rules, even though overall it rated lower than than MasterChef, is that it consistently started to rate quite highly with the younger audiences. So among sixteen to thirty nines and eighteen to forty nines, it would do. It would, on the night, on a Monday or a Tuesday night, it would actually rate higher than Channel 10 shows. And what they did miss out on for the finale as well was um, they lost some audience in Perth because there were storms of in course, Perth. Of course, yeah, that's so, also a factor. So conceivably they could maybe have got about 1.8 or something. Now that sort of, you, you know, sort of feels like, well, so what? It was interesting talking to someone from a media agency on the night of the MasterChef launch who was making the point that 
at the end of the year, when people are doing the, the list of the top ten shows of the year, the most watched audiences and given nights, My Kitchen Rules won't be on that list now. Mm. So when people are negotiating that, you know, uh, the, the the next set of um, uh, buying, then you're not going to be able to say, oh, well, don't forget it rained on the night of, you know, and they had a bit of a power cut in Perth. Mm. So they actually, you know, it will cost them genuine money as a result. Mm. I'm just going to say, I think my, one of my worries is that uh, Master Chef's going to end up like the Star Wars franchise where yeah, everything's branded too, by it. Because, you know, being a big Star Wars fan. Oh, <laughs> she's on so cutting what do you form mean, what, today. What do you mean by the Star Wars franchise? Well, just the fact that it's, it's a watered-down mess now and, uh, yes, I said that, and that, uh, you know, there's so much merchandise for it. I reckon this is going to go the same, that you're going to have see branded everything MasterChef within the next two years. And it'll become like the Big Brother thing in four years. It'll be thrown out the, pa- thrown out the window and everybody'll be like, God, I'm sick of this show. Bloody chefs. Well, it is. I mean, they're already spinning it out. You know, as you know, they've already announced the MasterChef magazine. The first edition of that will be out shortly. Um, one of the nuggets I picked up from the launch party is that they've already got um, about a million dollars worth of forward bookings in the first sort of two or three yeah. Um, that, that makes sense as a brand extension. So, for example, Better Homes and Gardens, uh, they've got a magazine, a TV show, radio, and that's been going for a long time. So, you know, there is such such thing as it is. If it's still relevant, it, then it, w- it can be a long-running uh, franchise. Mm. Okay, well, let's, uh, while we're talking about television, um, ratings, It's we, we finally, we're going to have a dip shortly for Easter, but we're finally sort of beginning to get to sort of the, you know, the, 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 the big end of it, the... Uh, it's not happening at the time of recording, but um, the uh, Matthew Johns show is, is just about to start. Um, we, yeah. we, we had some some it's other results in as well, Camille. Yeah, well, this this week in terms of ratings, I mean, Top Gear seems to have maintained its position, and it was Tuesday night, uh, the day after uh, My Kitchen Rules, the, the day after the finale, and it's it's still doing well. It was the fourth most watched show, so not number one, but it was number one again among the younger viewers, sixteen thirty nines, and. 18 to 49s ahead of NCIS, NCIS being the big rating Tuesday show for Channel 10. So that, that was a good result for them. But in terms of the returning shows of Bondi Rescue, The Biggest Loser, for 10, they seem to be struggling a little bit this year. Uh, the viewers seem to be down year on year and among the younger viewers as well, uh, more importantly for, for media buyers. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Okay, and we actually do have an issue at the moment with media agencies worrying about the rating numbers. Yeah, during the day. And we still seem to have a bit of an issue as well with the media agencies worrying about the ratings. Yeah, there seems to be a bit of a drop in daytime viewing, a 30% drop. Mm, yeah, and I guess the question is, is this a genuine drop in viewing or is it changes to the way that the, the, the panel system works? Yeah, and how, how has it changed? If you want to explain it to us, I suppose. A bit right, more. yeah. Um, my understanding, and this is woolly, to say the least, but let's give it a go, is that previously the ratings didn't properly account, well, didn't account at all for time-shifted viewing, and that meant that some households were also excluded. So in other words, you know, if you taped it and watched it a couple of hours later or whatever, um, at the time they moved the, pan- moved the panel over to this so that now we, we get the 8.30 ratings, but then a few hours later the kind of consolidated viewing that includes the time-shifted viewing comes in. My kind of understanding of that is that at the same time that skewed the panels across the board slightly mm. younger, perhaps, which means that it may more accurately af- um, reflect listening habits, um, but at the same time has driven ratings down because yeah. actually that might be what the real numbers were all al- all along. But the other part of the argument is the big blockbusters, Australian-made stuff like 
MasterChef hasn't launched yet. Underbelly 3 hasn't launched Pack to the yet. Rafters. Pack to the Rafters hasn't launched yet. So there's there's some big stuff that hasn't come out. So until that does, which we just after Easter, yeah. then I you know, I guess we probably should should temper our, you know, temper our expectations. But um Scott, I mean just changing consumer habits, do you think, or yeah, changes to the? I think people are watching less television. Oh, well, I'll rephrase that: watching less television on the television. In the traditional sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's the other challenge, of course, is to um, start measuring, um, you know, digital viewing um, when it's on catch-up streaming and those sort of things. Now, just one more on the television front: uh, SBS. Now, um, Sean Brown has had a lot to say in the last few days about funding. Um, you know. Um, now the the big the big question I suppose is SBS's future. Um, remit, I suppose. I mean, it's the multicultural broadcaster. Well, that's the question. So yeah. If you had to define what SBS's job is, what would you define it as? Well, I just know it as h- how it launched and why it launched and what they say their remit, their charter is. It's a multicultural broadcaster. So broadcasting. Uh, content that the commercial networks probably would find too small, too niche. And Scott, if you had to define SBS, how would you define it? A place where I can get the world game every week. That's the thing. I suppose it's different things to different people. Um, now they they position themselves as yes, the multi you know, multicultural broadcaster. The the idea being it may be for audiences whose first language isn't English, but they they also try and make the argument that their other big role is reflecting multicultural Australia to the whole of Australia. Mm. And for that, you need to be, attract an audience. And to me, that's the problem they have, is they're not bringing in that audience. Mm. To be honest, I think the best thing about it is uh, the news. The news is actually... <laughs> it's, few, it's the only news channel you ever get where you actually get to see the rest of the world and what's happening. Yeah, is this, this is the actual new evening news. Evening news, yeah, it's brilliant. It's they just package syndicated content. It doesn't matter, at least you're getting it. I mean, yeah, you enough. look at all the other news channels and you get nothing from around the world. OK, well, moving on from SBS, because that one is going to go on, you know... Certainly, uh, become more and more of an issue as quickly though. SBS uh, in my later years was just the, the place that you went to for all the foreign films with the sex scenes, really, as well. And you see, I, n- I know this by reputation, but by the time, <laughs> certainly by the time I arrived in the country three years ago, um, I, uh, it's moved away from that. To me, it's. I was one other night, it was a bit saucy. Oh, really? I read on Twitter, people were saying oh, that it was okay. a bit. No, I am, um, to me now, it's all about Inspector Rex. Oh, the oh. dog. Okay. Yeah. Very, very intelligent dog <laughs> who understands German very well. Um, better than me, actually. Now, um, uh, on to radio. This week, Commercial Radio Australia um, release report. Um, uh, it, it was into digital listening, but it one of the kind of implications of it was that radio has pretty much taken over the internet as a listening platform. Scott, you're... You're laughing cynically as Sorry, well. Sorry, I apologise. I didn't mean that there. <laughs> well, as with any any study, you know, I suppose there weren't too many surprises uh, coming from Commercial Radio Australia. That's their job. What they found was that digital radio listening each week was about over eight hours, eight hours, 16 minutes. By comparison, internet listening, listening online, was five hours and 31 minutes. So, hooray, after less than a year, digital radio has overtaken the internet. It's, it's wow. one, it's here, it's here to stay. Which was, yeah. and that was the way that some of the media reports did, after mm-hmm. that was press released that yeah. way, did, did yeah. report it as well. That's right. That's quite sad. So, now, interestingly, you, yeah. I have an yeah. issue with it. I have yeah. a, a problem with it, which is they, 
they interpreted available data. The available data was uh, Nielsen, the people who go out and do the radio research, mm-hmm. get the ratings. Next rate set of radio ratings are out on Tuesday morning, by the way. Um, they ask their audiences, okay, have you heard the, ra- the following radio stations? Tick yes, tick yes, you know, times, etc. And they asked them about what means they heard them. Um, so did you listen on a normal radio? Did you listen on digital radio? Did you listen on the internet? So immediately they're only being asked about the local stations mm. and the amount of time they spent listening to the local stations. Now I'd argue, and I don't have data for this, but I kind of think that probably someone does, mm. that most internet radio listening is to listen to radio stations that aren't your local stations. Yes. I mean, I, I download BBC uh, podcasts all the time. Well, like, uh, arguably podcasts would be would well, be excluded from the data. The podcasts anyway, I download are from parts of shows. Yes. Like BBC Five Live, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be known to stream some radio as well. Yeah. Um, but certainly, yeah, it sort of feels to me that we're not comparing, you know... Apples to apples. Yes, I mean, it's more comparing apples to tractors or something, really. I was going to say a red apple and a green apple, maybe, but... A green tractor? Okay. (laughs) Well, as you can hear from that, it's beer time again. And, Ah, of course, we're back to Carlton Draft. Now, again, last week the band ads got finally released in public. This week, they've been banned again. Your weenus, your weenus, it's wrinkly and it's pink. Your weenus, your weenus, it's not what you might think. It's found on your elbow, it might suggest a drink. I always wondered what the weenus was. Uh, Camille, <laughs> look in the mirror. Cock up <laughs> or conspiracy? Oh, as I said last time, I don't think either really. Cock up, probably more more so. But for me, when we discussed the ads last week, and we all pretty much said we liked them, I thought they were smack on brand as part of the Made from Beer campaign, and I think it's just a result of just gutless, risk adverse um, bosses. Bosses, Ooh. and I'm not sure about. I'm pretty sure the marketers would understand we're for it because, you know, this is quite similar to what they've done previously. And so I can't imagine them suddenly going, oh, no, this is too controversial. So it had to have been a bit higher up in the in the echelons of the company. Yeah, perhaps just when they were getting nervous about the relatively small amount of publicity it was getting. It wasn't huge, was it? Up, pulling it after two days, it's pretty crazy. Either don't put it up or leave it up. I mean... I wonder whether wait, we should... What we're talking about, sorry? <laughs> Maybe we should start... Oh, um, the winners. <laughs> yeah, Maybe we should start a, a um, campaign on the podcast and each week we'll play a clip from one of the ads until they give in and bring them back. Because, <laughs> yeah, they don't want that, do they? <laughs> Let's... Uh, yes, the campaign, um, the campaign starts here. Um, and still with um, beer, something you won't necessarily hear in the same sentence... Heineken beer and classical music, but sometimes they go, they do go quite well together. Now, um, this went kind of viral, actually. The stunt they pulled it really um, did go viral. Yes, um, Scott, you 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 you've viewed what happened. Um, why, why not explain it? Yeah, so um, the Real Madrid AC Milan game, obviously one of the biggest games of the entire year. Uh, football, that is, to all you Australians out there that. Football, oh, a.k.a. Thanks. soccer, not football, a.k.a. rugby union or rugby league or AFL. Um, so what they did was they roped in some girlfriends, they got some uni lecturers, um, they grabbed some yes. journals and a lot of people and then convinced their other halves or their workmates or their students to miss the game and go to a classical musical recital where people were writing on screen in fountain pens. Yes, it looks quite boring and yes. the first 15 minutes showed them looking 
appropriate label. Bored out their it skull. It could have been quite beautiful, actually. But anyway. <laughs> and yes. then, uh, now, during this, whilst this was happening, it was broadcast live on Sky Sports so that mm. 1.5 million people could see them looking bored out their skull. And some then, of them, some of them. And yes. then, um, then the big reveal, as the message said, I bet you wish you were watching the game. Yeah, 15 minutes into the, into the concert. And uh, as uh, and then they cut to the team coming on the pitch as, as the crowd went wild. Yeah, and they great. got to watch the game, probably get some free beer, and Heineken got some great coverage across blogs, forums. My one question, though, if you've got 1.5 million people watching it live, how many of their friends saw them and texted them? That's a good question, isn't it? Because they were sitting there bored, so they're probably playing with their phones, phones mm. anyway. Yes. And so they must have went, your mates went, by the way. But if you thought of that as a PR that early on, it would probably be very easy for them to say, because of the nature of the c- performance, please uh, please hand in your phones mm. or whatever. You know, like when you go to a, a pre-screening at the cinema, if yeah. you're lucky enough and to do, do such Do you always things. hand your phone in? Um, yes, I do. Do you All not? No, of course I don't. Really? <laughs> oh, I'd be scared of being frisked and found out and thrown out of the... I love that. Perhaps that's my natural fear of authority. <laughs> And on that bombshell, that's all we have time for. Thank you, as ever, to my uh, co-hosts, Camille Alicon and Scott Rohde. Thank you. And to CBS uh, CBS Interactive for use of their studio. Also, thank you, by the way, if you listened last week, for putting up with a slight crackling on the recording. We'll try to do much better in the future. Production this week was by Georgina Pearson. That was the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Tim Burrows. Toodlepip. In television, MasterChef reveals its sponsors. We take a look at this week's ratings. And is SBS on the way out? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Keep it together. In television, MasterChef reveals its sponsors. We take a look at this week's ratings. (laughs) Your turn now. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. In television, MasterChef reveals its sponsors. <laughs> In television, Master. <laughs> no, we've got things to do. We've got things to do. <laughs> Are you still rolling?